Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Randy Mitchell. Jesus said to his disciples, Ye are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt and Light confronts the difficult and often controversial issues that affect today's culture. The only hope for this generation is for more people to follow Jesus Christ and for his followers to be salt and light in their community. Pastor Randy will discuss the Bible solutions to help us know what God says about the problems we face today. Salt and Light is a ministry of Temple Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. Here's your host, Pastor Randy Mitchell. Welcome to Salt and Light. This is our second broadcast for 2024. We are delighted that you would tune in and uh, we appreciate all of our listeners. We're certainly looking forward to a good year. Uh, here on the radio, I'm joined by a very special guest, Pastor Matthew Huntington, pastor of Calvary Community Church um, here in Statesville, and he's a new pastor. We've had him on the broadcast. Uh, brother, I can't remember. It's been probably maybe two or three months ago. Uh, I lose yes, track of time. It seems like uh, 2023 just flew by, and so um, here we are in 2024. I appreciate you being here on the broadcast. Appreciate your Thank friendship. Thank you for having me. Uh, I want to talk here in just a minute about our New Year's Eve pro, um, service that we had, that uh, you and your church joined us for that uh, here in just a minute. But before that, I want to just uh, see how you're doing. How's the ministry at Calvary Community Church going? Well, I tell you, Brother Mitchell, we have had a, a phenomenal 2023. I, I've been here six months now, uh, and we've had over 38 new visitors. We've had uh, three saved, two baptized. And uh, we have three times service now. We're doing Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And, uh, and the people are excited. They had a rough go at it a few years before I came here. And uh, the camaraderie was down. The fellowship was down. But since God has blessed both of us, not only me, but also the church, I like to be a blessing to the church. They're a blessing to me. And that uh, friendship, that camaraderie, is what's kept this church open for since 1939. I believe that God's will was for this church to keep going forward in 2024, not just 23. So I seen, I seen blue skies on the horizon. I seen people coming, checking out the church, getting to know us, getting to know my wife and I, and getting to know the people. And uh, we're excited. I tell you, we're really excited about 2024. I'm looking to help plant some more churches and help out any way I can with other churches. But, you know, the, the, the camaraderie with three churches at a, at a uh, New Year's Eve get-together was mind-blowing. Yeah. I mean, three churches coming together in one accord. Nobody trying to do outbeat anybody else. <laughs> Absolutely you know, not. And the preaching was phenomenal. I love popcorn preaching. I always have. It is a time of excitement and a lot of amens. You may not get amens for the rest of the year, but during that time, you'll get enough <laughs> amens to last you all the way until 2025. Amen. I, I don't know about that, brother. I, I, I was telling my people uh, last night, um, just recapping that New Year's Eve service, and I said, hey, one of the things I liked was the uh, uh, a lot of response, a lot of amens, and I said, that helps the preacher, that helps the atmosphere, Amen. and Amen. so just keep that up, because uh, that's a really, really... Good thing, but you know, you mentioned we had popcorn preaching. I got to tell you this story. So last night I'm talking to one of the mothers of one of the little girls in our church, and during the during the preaching, you know how a lot of times people say amen, people will, you know, be a little expressive, glory to God, praise the Lord. Sometimes I, I'm not 
real vocally expressive, but sometimes I like to just raise my hand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my way of praising the Lord. I, I agree. That was good. I, I raised my hand. It's mm-hmm. kind of just a, just a it's testimony. It's a silent praise. Amen. Exactly. And so if you've ever been in a church service where people do that, you know, everybody's kind of got a different way that they do it. And it's definitely different than when you raise your hand like, I have a question. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a distinct way mm-hmm. that people raise their hand mm-hmm. in a worship service. And so uh, I did that, and I looked back, and uh, little Charlie Kimberlin, she is, uh, I'm trying to think, Charlie's like maybe five years old now, and she is a precious little girl. And she is, she's praising the Lord, and it was from the heart. Oh, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. she's raising her hand, and that mm-hmm. blessed my heart so much. I, I, I thought I was going to get um, really emotional, mm-hmm. and, but anyhow, it was such a blessing. And uh, we were talking to her, and <laughs> we were talking to her mom last night, and she said, I got to tell you this, uh, Charlie was asking, when are we going to have the popcorn? <laughs> so they took her home and made some popcorn for her. She didn't understand. She popcorn didn't understand preaching popcorn was preaching. just a bunch of different five-minute sermons. Well, I, I agree and, with her, to tell you the truth, because I was really hungry at the time when I was done <laughs> preaching, and I was thirsty, so I could have used some popcorn and maybe a pop. Well, if you'd have sat it. toward the front, that's first class. We would yeah. have served you. <laughs> but, uh, Amen. Anyhow, we had a great time. Uh, Temple Baptist, we had uh, your yep. church, Calvary North Community. Pastor Jason Boger and his folks came over, it was and, amazing. and we uh, brought in the New Year right, um, just preaching and singing, and uh, I am telling you, we are definitely going to do it again. There are other like-minded churches here in the area that uh, I, I wanted to invite, but I really I wasn't sure. We had the fellowship over at one of our folks' homes afterward, and I wasn't quite sure if they could accommodate right, a larger crowd. Right. So I just kind of felt like, hey, this is our first time. Let's mm-hmm. just kind of uh, stick with a couple churches. But I'm gonna I'm gonna invite some of the other churches, and I agree. I it's hope that they'll they'll participate because we had a wonderful time uh, rejoicing, and it was lighthearted. It, you know, it wasn't like all this serious and intense. We had some fun, cut up with it, um, and uh, I just I hope that. It just seemed like God was in it, and that was the the thing that meant the most to me. So. And I, I believe that with all my heart, he was in it, because that's showing people. If, if we would have streamed it and we would have showed people the, the camaraderie and the friendship from yeah. three churches that yeah. are just in tune with each other, we didn't have any hidden agendas, that really tells the people, America, that America can be the same way. Yeah. You know, if we put aside all of our petty differences and such, we can and, actually... You know, love in, on one another. In retrospect, Amen. that would have probably been a good live stream. I chose not to live stream it because we didn't. I said, look, we're not going to put this together as a production. Mm-mm. We're just going to yeah. buy design. We're going to fly by the seat of our pants and not be all. Or we, typically at our church, we're very organized and we have an order of service sure. and structure and all of that. No, I think and, it was great. You did a great job, and I think your wisdom on that was very good well, too. Well, anyhow, it would have made a good live stream, but uh, you know, we'll see. We'll we'll Only pray about that bloopers. for next year. But I didn't want all that pressure of worrying about you know what everybody out there is thinking. I just wanted it to be very very um, down home. God's people in God's living room enjoying preaching and singing and fellowship, and that's what it was. And then when we went to uh, one of our folks' homes, they had a, you know, have a, a nice uh, beautiful home, home. Beautiful uh, plenty home. of room, and had some great Amazing. food, had some fireworks. I, I heard mean, you took to swim. 
Yeah, we had. And I, I was praying for you. Polar plunge. Yeah, we had in the polar their pool. plunge, and I said, you know, Lord, uh, if he comes out and his heart stops, make sure somebody can start it back up again. And I, I had people worried about me uh-huh. uh, that uh-huh. you know they didn't. I'm glad they don't want their preacher to die. So I appreciate that. I'm really that, glad for that too. Uh, I'm like I'm getting older. I better uh, I better check that off my bucket list. And, and so, you did. You yeah. did very well. And then also one of your I don't know his, I don't remember his name, but the other young man that preached. From Australia? Is he from Australia? Yeah, he, yeah, brother yeah, Ben. He's brother on. Ben. He's on salt so light every ben now and then. So brother Ben jumped in, and then he came out faster, and he went in, and I said, "Man, brother Ben, you're my hero. I, I can't do that." See, you I know? didn't get to see anybody else because I was the first one in. Mm-hmm. I got out and I ran <laughs> back into the shop so, so that I could get, get dried, dried yeah. off. It's like mm-hmm. I am getting dry and warm yeah. ASAP. I don't want to get sick, so thankfully I didn't. But no. anyhow, hey man, it was good. Anyhow, enough uh, enough nonsense for today. After the break, folks, we're going to be talking about yes. how to forget things that have happened in the past. Welcome back to Salt and Light. Uh, once again, Pastor Randy Mitchell joined by Pastor Matthew Huntington, Calvary Community Church right here in Statesville. Uh, we had a great first segment reminiscing, talking about our New Year's Eve service. It was a combined service between Temple Baptist, uh, Northmont Baptist, and Brother Huntington's church, Calvary Community. And uh, we got together uh, for a Sunday evening and we had popcorn preaching. Uh, we had like nine five minute sermons. We had nine different special music um, from uh, all the churches represented. Mm -hmm. And so it was a five-minute sermon, special music, five-minute sermon, special music. And then afterward, we had a fellowship at one of our folks' homes. Uh, out on uh, off of Old Mountain Road and had uh, about 100 people there, had fireworks, had a polar ice plunge, had some great food, and above all, just some very, very sweet fellowship. Uh, no doubt, Brother Huntington, this is what church is supposed to be about. It's exactly not a competition right. among different ministries. Uh, we are we are here to serve the Lord and to reach the lost, and uh, it just was a blessing to see things be the way they're supposed to be. Amen. It wasn't a bunch of nonsense and worldly entertainment. We didn't have to do all of that. We just had a great time in the Lord. Well, this, um, this broadcast today, Brother Huntington, what's been on my heart, I preached a little bit about it last Sunday. I know this will, um, what I preached about it will be on Back to Basics here in the near future. But uh, I wanted to talk about um, something that Paul talked about in Philippians chapter number three. I'm going to read this passage and then we'll introduce what we're going to talk about sure, and then uh, sure. just go from there. Philippians three, verse number 12, Paul says, Not as though I had already attained, right. either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Paul's basically saying, Brother Huntington, that I haven't, I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect. I'm still a work in progress. But he said, this one thing that I do, 
He said, I forget those things which are behind, and I press toward the mark. This is a very simple principle, Mm -hmm. and yet you talk about something that, humanly speaking, is difficult to do. It is hard to leave the past behind. And I want to spend most of the rest of the broadcast, maybe the entire broadcast, just talking about dealing with the past, those things that are behind and in the past. The first thing that comes to my mind, and and I honestly, I'm I'm taking a little bit of liberty with Mm -hmm. what Paul's saying. I don't think he specifically had this in mind, but I want to use it to talk about things in the past, such as past regrets. Uh, I think that uh, certainly regrets can be a heavy weight that weigh us down and keep us from pressing onward. Everyone has regrets. I've certainly got regrets, things that I've done that I shouldn't have done, or things that I knew that I should have done, and I just didn't get it done. And I think that uh, emotionally and mentally, there are a lot of people, uh, Christian or non-Christian, that have a lot of regrets in the past, and it ends up weighing them down so much that they can't seem to get over it and move forward. I'm sure that you've experienced that in your life as well as in your ministry. Well, I've I've tried to teach my people, and this is a very, it's a young church for me because I've only been there six months, but I see this in all people. The regret, if you remember what Spurgeon said when he talked about regret, he talked about having regret with his father, regret with the past, how he dealt with it. He like God, he, they, God forgets our sins and remembers them no more. We can't forget what happens in the past. But what I, what I try to teach our people is try to use the past to better our future. Because I believe experiences are the best teacher. I believe spiritually experiences are the best teacher. And if we, re, if we can look at that experience and that past so-called regret, I think it can shape us for today. Because remember, we're living for today, not just 2024, the whole year, but just day at a time. People are so busy in America. They're so loud. They're so uh, confused. They're so, uh, I got to get this done. I got to get, you see it during the holidays. That's one Mm -hmm. of the things that comes out. But I believe in my heart that uh, we worry far too much. If we're quiet, God talks to us in a quiet way. He's not yelling at us. He's not screaming at us. He's not telling us. He's not judging us for what happened in 2023. He's telling us, I'm still in control in 2024. I'm still talking to you quietly. I haven't changed. And why are you not listening? Mm-hmm. And I think in, in, in our churches, coming together in, in camaraderie and um, encouraging one another. Paul was encouraged by the fact is that his only goal was to learn Christ mm-hmm. and put Christ in everything he did and if, if he didn't have this and he didn't have the wealth and he didn't have the, the prestige and he didn't have the influence, it's okay. I'm still winning. I'm still going toward that mark. That mark was that crown of righteousness. That's always in his mind. It was always on his heart. And those people that he influenced on through that, that goal and that, uh, that purpose that he had, I think he infected them more. Yeah, well, because he was steadfast. He absolutely, and he had regrets. I mean, he looked Many. back Look to at his life. The time, yeah. I mean, God was working in his heart, trying to show him that Jesus was Christ, mm-hmm. and yet he's persecuting 
you know, he's persecuting Christians, which he says later on that he was persecuting Christ, because when you persecute Christians, right. you are, it's right. the same as persecuting Jesus Christ. He had those regrets, and that's why he said that Christ Jesus, he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, right. Right. of whom I am chief. Right. He wasn't an, uh, an axe murderer or some of those things that we would consider, you know, the most horrible sinners. Right. But he valued Christ and the gospel, and so he saw himself as the chief of sinners. Why? Because he was actually persecuting Christians and doing everything in his life to oppose the gospel of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. But God was working in his heart, and so he finally, I mean, it took, took some time. But God finally got through to him, and uh, he no doubt had a regret that he didn't respond to God sooner. How many people did he throw in prison or was responsible for their martyrdom? Stephen, including, was martyred in Acts chapter number 7. And he held the Paul's Paul's right there holding everybody's coat while they're throwing rocks at him. I I think he was, when he conveyed it to people, he told him, "I'm the chief of sinners. I'm I'm the humble." He humbled himself and came down as just a lowly, lowly, because Paul knew who he was. Yeah. He knew his past. Yeah. He said, "Listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. I was there. I was going to be one of the Sanhedrin. I was going to be one of that that man that could snap his finger and say it's done, and it was done." Yeah, he had one of the the greatest religious pedigrees oh, yeah. that you could have, and he said, "I count that all but dung." And That's, he's not being crude. No. He's no, just saying he that truthful. all these things that I am religiously are nothing that I might win Christ. And I believe that's why he said, you could have religion, but I'll take Jesus Christ. Yeah. See, he was separating the part of religion, uh, which was just ritual, to Christ. Christ brought it all in con, And I think that's why when he was struck down on the way to Damascus, I believe there was a reason behind that much more than we think. Is Paul already knew something was wrong. See, there's something inside of us that stirs inside of us. Everybody stirs inside of us that says, I don't think, I have, I don't think I'm doing what I should be doing. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I think I haven't arrived yet. And that's why Paul said, I haven't arrived. He had arrived. His, he knew that when he had arrived, it would have been over. Yeah. It's done. He finished what he came to do. And you think about the disciples. Every, in chapter, in Acts 2 through 8, it said that the disciples and everybody was, had everything in common. You know what I'm saying? They got along. They went house to house. They were starting in brand new churches across that region. Mm-hmm. Why? Because everybody had it in common. They were mm-hmm. all trying to reach Christ. They were all trying to press toward that mark. Every one of them did. But Paul went one step further and went one step further. And as he met people and met their needs, and Corneth was one of them run by families, Families pretty much run the church. He had to fix all that. Every church he went to, he fixed it a little bit mm-hmm. and helped them to come to help them to love each other more, help them to do their job in the church. Isn't that what you and I are doing? We're teaching people how to love each other in the church and how to change that church methodology that we yeah. think about. Church is just church. No, church is an extended family. That's what it is. You may have your family, but that church people, those church people are your extended family. Amen. Amen. And speaking of family, and I know that most people appreciate this, I want to go to the next thing that I think we need to talk about, things in the past. Mm-hmm. A lot of times family is at the, the, the center of this, and that is not only dealing with past regrets, and, and I've got a family regret. I think uh, my mom's in heaven now. She died of cancer, and uh, just a few months before she passed away, 
she uh, she talked to me about something that she had been bearing that had happened 30 plus years before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had just gotten right with God. I'm a young preacher. I'm zealous. I'm learning things. Mm-hmm. Everything's new. And uh, my, my mom was feeling just a little bit of rejection because I was going in a little bit different direction. And so she was feeling that. And we got into a conversation that kind of got a little bit of verbal conflict. It wasn't anything disrespectful, but she said something that provoked me. Mm-hmm. And I said something that was uh, was taken as hurtful from her, and and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that that it even bothered her. I mean, she's my mom, and I'm just a I'm just a kid, so I had no idea that that hurt her, and so I didn't even re- necessarily remember. <laughs> that was just a phone call, folks. <laughs> that wasn't me roaring at the Harley. Yeah, we're, we're not, that wasn't. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, no, no if you worries. have a Harley, it sounds just like that. So anyhow, uh, anyhow, uh, she brought that up to my attention that I said that, and I go, I go, wow, Mom. I said, I, I don't remember saying it, but I said I remember what my attitude was, and uh, and I said, I, I'm sure that I probably did, and I said, I, I am so sorry. I did said, you settle I it with her? Absolutely. Oh, and good. I, and See, I said, first that's... of all, I said, I didn't even mean it. Right. And I said, the truth, I wish that this would have come out sooner because uh, I'm just, I hate, I regret that you bore that as a hurt all of these years. Mm. And she never did act bitter toward me. No. It was no. just something no, that sometimes when you know you're getting ready to, to, mm-hmm. to move on and pass away, you just want to settle all that. And I appreciate that she brought it to my attention, and it sure did. It helped me. But anyhow, uh, I want to talk not only about regrets, but I want to talk about wounds. Okay, good. And a lot of times That's family good. is at the center of hurts, Yes, sir. whether it be our, uh, our biological family or our church family. And a lot of times hurts can hinder us from pressing toward the mark, Amen. even worse than regrets. We'll That's talk good. more about it after the break. Folks, we are talking about things in our past, and as a reminder, we read from Philippians chapter number 3, and in verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. There are a lot of things that happen in the past that hinder us, weigh us down, keep us from pressing forward, moving you know, there's a lot of times you just can't seem to get over some things. And I know we sarcastically say to people, hey, build a bridge and get over it. And, well, that's easy to say, but not always easy to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about regrets in the past that weigh us down. And uh, for this segment, I want to talk about something that I think is probably more relevant, and that is wounds, hurts. Right. We all have hurts from the past, and, you know, we talk about licking our wounds. And I've been around uh, beagles, rabbit dogs, and uh, I, I never did. You know, I, we had a, we've had pets throughout our life, but always I had friends that had hunting dogs. And the mange was always something that they had to be concerned about. If a dog gets that mite, and they'll start itching it and, and gnawing at it with their teeth, and, and they will just keep doing that until they literally— cause an infection and there have been dogs that have 
ended up dying just because of the mange or because of some wound that they get obsessed with that wound and they keep licking it, they keep licking it. Uh, You've seen the cone of shame on dogs where they stick that cone on it to keep dogs from licking their wounds. There's nothing wrong uh, with a dog licking their wounds, but when they get obsessed with it and can't seem to leave it alone, Mm -hmm. it'll never heal. Right. What a lesson for all of us as humans that we end up emotionally and psychologically, we end up doing the same thing. We just keep licking our wounds and we can't get over things in the past. And listen, all of us, there, I don't know of anyone that doesn't have something in their past that is a wound that they've had a difficult time getting over. And the older that we get and the more that we work with people, we were talking about family. Family can be a great, it's supposed to be a great source of love and acceptance, but it ends up at times turning around and being just the opposite. It's also a great source of hurt. Church is supposed to be a great place of blessing and love and fellowship, but it too can turn around and become a great place of hurt. Somebody says something or does something, somebody's disloyal, betrayal, and and somebody that loses their temper or acts ugly. Anytime you're around people, there's the potential that somebody can act ugly and it's going to hurt. Sticks and stones may break my bones. Let me tell you something, words do hurt people. They mean something. And so um, we have to deal with that. And so um, I've had to deal with some wounds that I couldn't just snap my fingers and get over. I'd take it to God, and, uh, and, and God would give me some relief, and a few weeks later, there it is again. I haven't gotten perfect victory, and I've had to learn through the years by experience how to not let those wounds in the past, how to let them heal, and so that I can move on and press toward the mark. I'm sure that you've experienced this uh, personally, Brother Huntington, as well as ministerially in, in trying to help others. And what I've learned in the past, I'm going to say the past couple years, because it's been, it's been pretty interesting the last couple years. I pastored three and a half years in West Virginia, as you know, and there are different kind of people. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying that in, in, a, in an overall way. Each, each uh, state has its own culture, its own set of ways they do things. It's hard for me to say it because I'm not a a scholar in this and I don't do study on it, but I just know it because I'm a people person. I dealt with West Virginia a little differently than I deal with North Carolina. Uh, West Virginia is very clandish and very family oriented. You don't want to hurt one of the family members. If you do, you'll lose the whole family. Mm -hmm. So I believe the Bible tells us to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. When you're preaching, when you're a pastor, you've got to be careful in what you're saying from the pulpit because the pulpit is what matters. What's coming from there is what matters. It's not my opinion. It's not your opinion. It's not the church's opinion. It's biblical. It's sound doctrine. It's, it's the Holy Spirit of God. And sometimes we get a little bit high and mighty. You know, we kind of get up there a little high where the air smells a little colder, okay? <laughs> and that being said, we convey that to the people. And the people say, well, what makes him any different than I? And so we have to then come back and say, well, I'm not. Paul was very humbled. Paul, was, Paul went through humility. Paul went through all stages of a, a leader. And our leaders 
uh, are so distraught with their own self. They're fighting a battle, not with the people, not with the state or the country. They're fighting a battle with themselves, and they can't get over it. Paul's saying, get over it. That's what he's saying. Move on. Press toward that mark. Move on. Don't let your regrets stop you, hold you back. Let them motivate you. Mm-hmm. That's why you notice I'm, I'm a little excited when it comes to preaching because I believe that motivation is the tool to getting what God wants done, not what I want done. Yeah, and when sometimes people view the Apostle Paul like, oh, he was Superman. He didn't ever get hurt. Well, you read the book of First and Second Corinthians, you find that he was that they made accusations against him. They questioned his motives. I mean, he, he had all kinds of just interpersonal dealings with the churches at Corinth. And that caused him grief. It, it caused did. him sorrow. It, did. It, it caused him to be offended. And yet he would always say, he, he ultimately said that regardless of that, he said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, right. though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. That's right. How many times as a pastor, Brother Huntington, have I had to go to Paul and follow his example? It's mm-hmm. like, hey, it's not about how they are treating me. My responsibility as a Christian, as a pastor, is how I'm treating them. Right. And so often, and you, you hit the nail on the head, sometimes when we're up at the pulpit and we have something to say and, and uh, you know, we're right. And, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, and a lot of times that's what causes hurt in a church or a family is somebody says something or deals with a manner because, after all, hey, I'm right. And you know what? Sometimes we are right in our thinking and how we see something. But being right is not always the same as being righteous. See, I can be right, but then if I expect everybody to see things the way that I see it, and I'm going to beat them over the head verbally if they don't, well, guess what? Now I'm not being righteous. The Bible calls that arrogant. You know, arrogant people are not always wrong. They're just taking their right, their being right, and they're being unrighteous in the process. I remember a a part in the Bible, and I, I don't know exactly the... I know where it's at, but I don't know exactly the verse or, or chapter. But do you remember when Jesus was in the synagogue and he was preaching and he got up and he preached out of Isaiah, but he didn't cover the whole verse. Right. He covered just a part of it. He shut the Bible and sat down. And people asked, well, even the people there, they kind of marveled. And they go, well, why did he do that? That's not him. Normally he would tell it. He was discerning the fact is that you do not have to always hurt people with words because they knew Isaiah. They've read Isaiah. They know exactly what the end of Isaiah was saying, but he didn't have to say it. Yeah. Sometimes as a preacher, you do not have to say it. You can get up there and you can tell people the truth and love them. I heard preachers get up there, laymen. I've heard many different people get up there. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to act like a man. You got to act like a woman. You got to change it. And they're bam, bam. They're just constantly, does that person already know what they're saying? They do. They have a hard time doing it. But you don't have to stick the knife in and turn it and jerk it around or whatever. You can just say, hey, listen, let me help you. Let me help you to understand what this is all about. And let let the Holy Spirit, we preachers have this problem of trying to be the Holy Spirit of God. Well, it it is so true. And I know I we're talking about regrets. I've got some things that I've handled things ministerially where 
you know, I was right. I was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. But the people, it, it just ended up discouraging them because they're already feeling guilty already, for what they're right. not doing. Exactly. And, yeah, right. I'm preaching to them the truth. Hey, you mm-hmm. ought to be doing this. You need to be acting like this. This is how you ought to think. Well, they're already discouraged and beat up in their conscience. And so then the preacher comes along and just rubs salt in the wound and makes it he worse. Because he is right. The truth is there. But Jesus didn't do that. Yeah. Jesus let the Pharisees go on and on and on about their what they think is righteous and what they think is the holy way of doing things. And Jesus just simply knelt down, wrote in the sand. You know, you that are spiritual, restore such one. You know, what I'm saying is he said, if you're more spiritual than that person, I guess, then you are not held accountable or you're not guilty from it. But that Jesus just not saying something is amazing. Yeah. Bridle the tongue. Remember James 3. We need to bridle that tongue because it's so unruly. It's poison. Well, and I think, too, sometimes, Brother Huntington, is that as a pastor, you know, sometimes pastors are viewed as being very controlling. And even parents sometimes are viewed as being controlling. Mm -hmm. And really, they're not trying to be controlling. They just have this inner feeling of being responsible. And sometimes the devil can use that or it can run amok and it can go to extreme that that overwhelming sense of responsibility makes the person think that, hey, I've got to try to control this because I'm responsible for this flock. I'm responsible for these children. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, like you said, is we've got to be able to trust God that if any change is going to happen, then God's the one that's going to do it. Exactly. And so, yes, we're responsible for what we communicate, but we also need to be in touch with the people. It is a challenge in the ministry to keep the bar high where the Bible says that the bar's, you know, supposed to be, but not presenting it in a way to where people think, well, that's so high, there's no way that I can attain to that. I might as well not even try. I might as well just quit and give up. So thank God he gives us examples through Paul and through... um, you know, through Timothy and through the men that learnt the Bible, the history of the Bible, went back and learned the history of the Bible, learnt why they're where they're at. They had to come to terms with themselves. When I became a pastor, I had to realize that we have a responsibility to the flock of the people. That's it. Mm-hmm. And we have a responsibility to ourselves. And we have a responsibility to our spouse and mm-hmm. our family. But we are not God. Yeah. We are not the Holy Spirit of God. All we have to do is show them by example that we love them and that we want to be an example for them. And if they fall, get there down the ground right with them on your knees and help them to get back up. Give them a big old hug and a big smile yeah. and say, hey, you just stay in the fight. I do that with preachers all the time. I encourage them. I call them. Amen. And I just want them to know that stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Don't leave it. It's not time to rest. It's kind of like my golf game. I always tell people that I golf with, it's like, look, I take the game of golf seriously. I just don't take myself seriously. And it's the same way in when we have responsibility. We need to take that responsibility seriously. We do. Don't take yourself seriously. Amen. Amen. Got to trust God. We'll talk more about this after the break. Amen. Back in ancient uh, Greek and Roman culture, if someone were to win a sporting event, they would take a crown of leaves 
and put them on their head. And uh, that's where we get the cliche, are you resting on your laurels? And most people have uh, heard of that. And, you know, those laurels are our successes or things in the past that we have achieved or accomplished. And, you know, this cliche, are you resting on your laurels? It's a very common cliche because it's a very common condition. And it is human nature for us to rest upon our past successes. Folks, we've been talking about dealing with the past so Mm -hmm. that we can press on in the future. We've talked about regrets. We've talked about wounds. And um, the next thing is probably, probably, Brother Huntington, as close to the immediate context of what Paul, Paul said this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. He didn't list what all those are, but within the context, I, I don't think that he specifically had as much in mind wounds and regrets as he did successes. Paul was a very successful gospel preacher, very successful in his mission work. Uh, He was the one that was training other young pastors such as Timothy and Titus Mm -hmm. and Silas Mm -hmm. and so forth. Uh, Paul was a great man of God. And when he said, forgetting those things which are behind, he said, I press toward the mark. I think that probably within the immediate context, that was the number one thing that he was thinking of is we've got to let the successes go in the past. Now, Jesus told about a man in Luke chapter number 12 that this man was very successful. I mean, his crops were just uh, amazing. He had more than what his barns could handle. And he said, hey, what am I going to do? He said, I'm going to tear down these old barns. I'm going to build bigger ones. And he said, I'm going to put all this up to store, and then I'm going to take my ease and just, you know, basically eat, drink, and be merry and just coast the rest of my life. And it's interesting, Jesus said in Luke 12, 20, he said, Thou fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Uh, This was something that was a very foolish thing. This man was resting on his laurels. I don't need to continue to press to achieve, to accomplish. And one of the things, listen, folks, if you're a born-again Christian, all of you listeners out there, if you're saved, you didn't just get saved to get you a ticket to heaven. You got saved because God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And uh, I, I understand that sometimes we have to retire from the way that we make a living. There are sometimes that pastors even have to retire because they can't do what they used to do. But I don't believe in retiring from being a servant of God. No, I believe sir. that no. our our outward abilities may be limited at times, and we have to move on and, and not live in the past. I've got folks in my church that uh, they have been faithful for 40, 50 years serving God, and they regret that they can't do the things that they used to do. And I've told them time and time again, look, your value to Temple Baptist Church is not what you do, but rather what you are. What you are is an example. What you are is an encouragement, an inspiration to the younger generation that they're where you used to be. And so uh, Paul understood that. I need to forget those things which are behind, because if I start resting on my laurels and think, you know what, I've done all of this, I've been faithful in these areas, and so now I don't need to press. You know, press is the root word of pressure. I don't like pressure, Brother Huntington, but pressure is a part 
of it, life. And I don't want to be pressure-led. Mm-hmm. I want to be spirit-led. Mm-hmm. But with that, there's always going to be the overwhelming feeling of pressure from time to time. And we live in a generation where people have a hard time handling pressure. And so psychologically, they try to rest on the things that they've done in the past so that they don't have to feel any more pressure that God expects anything more of me, and they just end up coasting. And what a, what a foolish and a wasteful way to live. And I believe that you work hard all your life, and you uh, work a job 30-some years or whatever, and you're looking for that day of retirement, but not retirement from your life, retirement from your job, from what you did, your occupation. As a Christian, we're never retired from the Christian life or the faith. We are retired from other things that we've you know used to keep us and take care of a family. But I believe then, as I've seen this, I just went to a, visited a church after I left our church on Wednesday night. I went to another church. I'm not to name the name, but I watched a doctor give the, give the Wednesday night Bible study, and he did a phenomenal job. Now, he's not retired from his doctorate from what he did. He's still doing that. And, but in his office, he's able to give people hope, not just with their, well, your health is very good, and you, here's the x-rays, and here's the MRIs, and all this, but no. Here, do you know Jesus is your personal Savior? And he opens up a dialogue with them where the, you know, the heaven's doors opened, and he allows them, to, on their terms, to tell them, tell him where they're at in their life, and he's able to help them both, not mm. just as a doctor, but also as a... Luke did the same thing. He was a doctor, he was a physician, but yet he became a disciple so that he could, what, end up his... Uh, hang up his hat as a doctor and no longer do that again, or, and then say, I'm just going to follow Christ, and then I'm going to... I don't have to do the work because my Lord's doing it. I'm just going to follow him and be a great follower. I think sometimes as Christians, we, we get that a little backwards. You know, it's not time to rest. It's if you're saved and you're baptized and you're a believer, your job's a spread it to everybody. I mean, you first start off with your family, aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews and all Mm -hmm. that. You know that. That's take care of your house to Jerusalem first and then move on to, you know, Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts. But that's where we we get tired. We're like, well, I'm 67 or 80 or whatever, you know, whatever that is. I, I, I just can't do it like I did before. But you can. Because just opening your mouth testifying what God has done for you does miraculous for people. It does. You're like, you've been saved 45 years. I'm not even 45, you know. You've been saved that long, and you've known Jesus that long. I don't even know him. And you get an opportunity to set that person down and say, well, let me tell you about him and tell you what he's done for me and how good he is. And that's what the Lord wanted us to do. He didn't want us to run around and worry about all the stuff that we can't control, the White House, the country, the, the king, and all of his little followers. No, that's not our job. Our job is to right where we're at, our little community, sit down one-on-one like Jesus did. Well, Amen. Op- oftentimes when we're younger, we're, we do good with the tangibles, but it's the older children of God, people that have been through some things, that right. they, they do much better with the intangibles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the intangibles I've found by experience really are what gets God's work done more so than the tangibles. And, and it's just that example and that faithfulness. And, you know, I think back um, the pandemic, uh, COVID-19, we went through two, two and a half years of that. And Brother Huntington, uh, this topic that we've been talking about today, the pandemic wreaked havoc 
on people pressing forward, you know, being responsible, leaving the past behind. There, there was so many things in the pandemic that it caused us to just live for today, not be looking toward the future. There were so many things planning that we couldn't do. You know, what about this? What about that? Well, can't do that. Can't do that. And the pandemic put every, it had such a demotivational effect in people's lives. And I think there's still a hangover from that. People are still having a hard time getting that encouragement and that motivation back. And I, I, I we believe need that. To, we need to leave that in the past I and do. hit that reset button. And well, see. this is 2024, and I'm encouraging people, the, the listeners out there listening to your program, I'm encouraging them to forget what they Forget the residuals of what they went through in, for the two and a half years and remember that God got them through it. So if God gets you through something, you should take and be excited about it and tell people how you got through it. And hey, I, w- I had COVID for two and a half weeks. And the th- in that third week, I was praising God and saying, God, thank you for getting me through that. And, you know, I wasn't dwelling on the first day I had COVID. I was remembering that the end of COVID God got me through. Who did? Who's getting us through those regrets of 2023? Who's getting us through all of the things that we thought we didn't know in 2023? We Paul was focusing, like you said, regrets, and you say uh, hurts and uh, disappointments. And Paul was saying, stop, stop, stop. Look at Christ. Mm-hmm. Christ got us through it. He's the center of attention, not you, not, not your whining and all that stuff. He's saying... Look at Christ. Christ is smiling. You'd say, you did it. You got through it because you didn't forget me. And think about how does that exciting, how does that make a, a 2024 look to you? I know how it looks to me. It's like, man, I got through that. Whew, bring it on. What's the next one? I'm encouraged that Christ got us through it. I'm encouraged he didn't walk away and turn his back on America and say, you know, do what you guys want to do. Remember, turn their hearts over. That's what I was reading in Psalms 81. Turn their hearts over to their own lust and their own counsel. They know they thought they were gods. I'm a god now. I can do whatever God does. And he said, okay, if that's the way you want to do it, but you're going to die like men. Yep, You're that, not a god. That is right. Well, folks, it's been good to be with you here today. Mm-hmm. Brother Huntington, thank you for being thank part you of the broadcast. I want to wrap things up by just simply saying this. Is there anything that happened five years ago or five minutes ago that we can erase or undo? No, it's it, it happened you can't change it. And so rather than letting the past define you, why not let it refine you? Mm-hmm. Let can, it change. Learn from it. And can I read on. this for just a moment before we end? This is simple. Uh, it's first chapter of uh, Philippians 5 and 6. For your fellowship is the gospel. Mine for you of all making requests with joy for the fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We appreciate you taking the time to join us at Salt and Light. It is our desire that you experience the joy of following Jesus Christ. He loves you, and he died on the cross for your sins. He will give you hope, peace, and eternal life if you will repent of your sins and trust him as your Savior. You may see yourself as a good person, but you will never be good enough to deserve heaven. You may see yourself as bad, but you can never be too bad for Jesus to forgive you. You can call upon him to save you this very moment. If you are a born-again Christian, we want to encourage you to obey Christ's command and be salt and light to those around you. 
We encourage you to find a Bible-believing church that does not compromise or water down the Bible and get involved serving the Lord. If you have a Bible question or a particular issue you would like us to discuss on Salt and Light, visit our website at templebaptistnc.com. Click on the Salt and Light link. Once again, that's templebaptistnc.com. May the Lord bless you. We hope you'll join us again next week.